I know a lot of you have had this experience because for those of us who in 2020 were all sent home and we were stuck in a lockdown during the pandemic, we had a lot of time on our hands and I saw an ad for Masterclass and I thought, I want to better myself. I want access to all of these brilliant people who teach you things. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with more than 200 plus of the world's best and smartest. For just under 10 bucks a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to every instructor. And I don't care, you can wake up one morning and say, I want to learn about business. And then another where you say, I want to learn how to survive in the wild if I have no water and no fire to make me warm. You can access Masterclass on your phone, on your computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. And the classes totally make a difference. Don't wait another moment to start your learning journey with Masterclass. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Liz. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Liz. Masterclass.com slash Liz. Okay, you guys know I am all about picking yourself up after being knocked down. I mean, never say die. That's so me, right? Winners never quit. Quitters never win, blah, 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 blah. But, <laughs> but if I left my job to start a company that never ended up getting off the ground, never got a single product off the assembly line, total disaster, never landed a single customer, lost all my investors' money. You know, I might crawl under the duvet with a huge bag of red vines and then hide for a really long time. But the same cannot be said for my guest today. Matt Meeker took that very experience, and instead of, you know, getting under the duvet and and eating seized chocolate or whatever, he took it, he learned from it, he used it as fuel and subsequently started not one, but two multi-million dollar startups. One of which, by the way, is now a publicly traded company that sells, are you ready, monthly subscription boxes based on your dog's needs and desires. How much do we love this? He is Matt Meeker, co-founder and CEO of Bark, which used to be Matt Bark Box, right? That's correct, yes. And BarkBox is still a product that we feature. Right, and that's a subscription product, right? That's right. Yep. Every month, uh, our our aim is to make your dog happy every month. (laughs) Well, we're loving this because I have a dog named Rosie. And we, we can't even reveal right now, because we will in a few minutes, the things that you do provide for dogs. But it's all custom, right? Uh, everything is custom. So everything we sell is designed by Bark and made by Bark and and everything is custom to the dogs that we serve. So they're all they're all really unique and special individuals and we try to treat them that way instead of just saying a dog is a dog. And and for our listeners, this is a multi hundred million dollar company at the moment. So there is a huge story behind this. And to me, Matt, it's just as much a story of using failure as a jumping off point to success as it is a story of just, oh, I climbed, I put one foot in front of the other and I kept going and voila, I'm, I'm a CEO. But I really want to take it back to your beginning. I understand you grew up in a small town in Iowa, right? And you've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. The first 
glimpse of that coming when you ran poker games in elementary school? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> well, uh, the, we have a gambling streak throughout my family. And so I, I probably <laughs> learned to gamble before most people did. And yes, then brought that to school as as a way to make a little extra cash. Uh, <laughs> that's probably not the best story ever, <laughs> but uh, absolutely. Always, always looking for uh, a product that I can offer to the people around me. Well, it's also a gamble. Anytime you dive into starting a business, you are taking a huge gamble, not just with your own reputation and your money and your savings, but other people's money, right? With other people's money, with, uh, you know, the thing that weighs on me the most with the gamble is those employees, especially those early on who, who take a gamble on you. Mm-hmm. And then you are you feel this, or I feel this huge amount of responsibility for them and their families and their livelihoods. And wow, what if we're not successful? What if we don't make it? Um, so that to me is the, the greatest pressure. Um, investors sort of you're, you're just, you're a number and you, if you didn't make it, then that was already part of the equation. Right. But it does take fortitude and a very strong stomach for which you jumped into the first business that you began with, I'm sure hopes and dreams of, yeah, we're going to be a success. Let's talk about that first business that ended up completely imploding. (laughs) Sure. Well, I, I jumped into that, um, I came to New York in the summer of 1997. I joined a digital ad agency, obviously in the the late 90s, early 2000s there. Everybody was catching the entrepreneurial startup fever and saw a lot of examples of that. And and then I was very fortunate coming out of that agency to partner with uh, with some great people who, who had access to the money and the resources and the connections and and you name it. So it felt a bit like our company was born on third base and we had big ambitious ideas and plans and and wow, over over an 18 month period we did everything wrong. Uh, literally everything wrong. Um, so and I, I'm I'm happy to go into more of what everything is, but uh, it was it was one mistake after another in terms of how would you go about starting a company? Well, what was it that you were trying to sell and create? And and what were the biggest things you got wrong? Uh, the, the product we were making was you have to sort of get in a time warp and go back. <laughs> uh, so this was I'm game. Uh, March of 2000. So if, if you remember, there were no iPhones. Um, the, the mobile device was, we had the cell phone, but what we really didn't have, at least in the US, was text messaging as a channel. Mm-hmm. Very difficult, you know, you're, for, for the letter P, you're pushing the seven key three or four times. and <laughs> um, So nobody's using it. And what we wanted to establish in the US very quickly was a text messaging channel that everybody carried in their pocket. So we had a, we, had created a device that was in the form factor of a credit card, the the thickness or thinness of a credit card and the, um, the exact measurements that you would think of 
with an LCD window built into it and the ability to receive and send messages from that device. Uh, and we were trying to establish a new messaging channel, leveraging the existing text messaging um, infrastructure that's in the US and get ahead of any text messaging that might come in the future. So we can we would own the channel. What could possibly uh, go wrong? <laughs> yes, uh, and I failed to mention the device also could function as a credit card and <laughs> okay. could be swiped at your local retailer. And while you pass through that local retailer, they could send you offers on the spot. Coupons. Because it, had, it, it had Bluetooth capability. So just accept the offer, go forward, swipe your card, and it's it's all handled. So we were, uh, I remember very early on, one of one of my partners went to a conference and she sent back a very excited message that she had just been exposed to, in quotes, a Blackberry and how exciting that was. And so we were, we were very early with very ambitious ideas, right. but uh, we obviously that doesn't exist. No, none of us are using that today. <laughs> But you never got to the assembly line to manufacture this thing. Why not? Uh, well, that that gets into the series of decisions that we made or activities that we we did. And I, I'd say that the the couple big lessons. One was uh, hire hire the right people for the stage of the company that you're at. And we. Um, Again, we were fortunate, or I guess in this case, uh, not fortunate, <laughs> but my, my partners um, had a lot of access to um, very, very powerful people. And, uh, you know, there was no one we couldn't get to or recruit with a lot of credibility. And so when we put together a team, as any startup does, you, you know, we, we recruited in the CMO from... AT&T to be our CMO and the COO was a COO at Citibank wow. and so on and so on and so on. And when you, when you put those all on a slide, it looks like a really impressive dream team, but it's a group of people. I often say if, if we had been doing a billion dollars of revenue, that group would have turned it into 10 really fast, uh. but zero to one, very, very difficult for them. Well, can I jump in here and ask you, is it because they were coming from such high positions in such major developed companies that when they got there, they were like, wait, what do you mean we don't have a water fountain or whatever? The <laughs> basics, because startups, you're sitting on orange crates and you're sharing laptops, right? I mean, it's not easy. Yeah. And, and the group of people we brought in were very, they were great people. And so I wouldn't say it was the creature uh, comforts, mm -hmm. um, but more um, the, the mindset of what do we need to get out the door? How do we, how do we prove this is actually a product that will work and people will accept in their day-to-day -day lives? Mm -hmm. And and I, I believe their bar was just so high as to how great it must be before it meets the customer and how everything oh. has to be tied out perfectly. Mm -hmm. um, where uh, for me, another lesson in that is um, your plans don't meet any, mean a thing until the product meets a customer. And that's when you really start to learn what you've got. And 
uh, the, the work is in listening to them and adapting to their feedback and making it better and better. But if you don't put anything in their hands, you'll never learn. Uh, and we never put a product in anyone's hands. And then you pick yourself up after losing millions in investor capital, right? And the whole mm -hmm. thing implodes and you decide, let me try this again. It's almost like that <laughs> in Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Uh, you, you went back for more uh, beatings. This is unbelievable. So you decide, let me start a new company. That was called Meetup, right? That's right. Yes. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and Meetup was sort of like an early WeWork, right? In fact, it was later bought by WeWork for lots of money. Tell me about building yeah. that one. Yeah. A Meetup was very early in the social media building. And what we were trying to do and, and did was we wanted people to um, come together online and and say they had a, an interest and then go out in the real world and meet other people who share that interest. Mm -hmm. And again, big undertaking at that point in history where uh, it was a very scary thing to be told, go meet a stranger who you just connected to on the internet. That was, that was a no-no. Uh, and so we were trying to build a structure around that to make it okay. Uh, part of the inspiration there was what we were seeing in New York at that time following 9-11 being uh, strangers on the street actually talking to each other, saying, yes. how are yes. you? And yeah. they meant it. They meant like, how are you? And other... Uh, having real conversations it was such a powerful feeling we we were trying to build something that said how can we have this everywhere where people come together with strangers and get to know their neighbors and um and share their life experiences and and the things they're passionate about and and that's worked out very very well for for the company well, sure. And once you sold it, you had a lot of money in your hot little hands. You could have, I don't know, not climbed under a duvet, but you could have sat on a beach. And yet you didn't. No, <laughs> no, I'm not. A, I've tried to sit on a beach a couple <laughs> times. <laughs> Just doesn't happen. Well, people like you are a different breed of, I'm not going to say cat, I'm going to say dog. And you had at that point a great Dane named Hugo. What yes. happened that changed and rocked your entrepreneurial spirit when it came to Hugo? Uh, it, you know, it's the same feeling with, with Meetup as with Bark. And uh, I think I'm like many, many other people out there. I'm like you and everyone out there always has an idea of wouldn't it be cool if this existed or mm -hmm. wouldn't this be a great product or service or an idea? Um, I have them all the time and everyone does every now and then, I guess a couple times in my life here, there's one that grabs a hold and just doesn't let go. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it says, you've got to do this. You have to do it. And, and in this case, um, Hugo is the, is the thing that's grabbing a hold of me and pulling saying, don't you want me to be happy? I mean, <laughs> none of these pet stores in New York are stocking their shelves waiting for a great Dane to come in. They're just not. So oh, yeah, because everybody in New York has little dogs. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. 
formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Okay, right. I don't mean to sound denigrated, but I love big dogs. I'm a big dog person. And you're right, because everyone lives in apartments and there isn't a lot of space. It is a rare thing to see a Great Dane. It is. And so I was just disappointed by the offerings and I was on the lookout constantly for something for a Great Dane or a large dog and uh, coming up empty. You're talking so, about toys? What are you talking about? Toys, um, treats, anything fun. <laughs> and so usually those those trips ended with me taking home a $12 bully stick. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure Hugo is very happy with that setup, but I, w I wanted more. And uh, and so from there it was, well, let's put something together where we curate products that are for dogs and let's have three assortments, one for a large dog, one for medium, one for small, and send those out and see how people respond to it. And, and they responded really well. How did you know? I mean, when did you know this is actually going to work? Uh, it's, it's really funny. Uh, so when we first had the idea or the concept, my partner, Henrik very quickly, um, made a design of what a, a homepage would look like for a website. And he sent it to me and I put it on my phone and then just meeting people every single day, I would, I'd take it out and I'd show them and I'd say, Hey, look at this. What do you think of this? And the the first sign for me that you're onto something is that someone smiles. Hmm. Uh, they're, they're not faking it. They're not, there will be plenty of people who will just be encouraging and say, Oh yeah, it's really good. But the, the smile before any statement tells you a lot. Um, so seeing people light up about it was a great signal. Um, what I then normally would hear was, that's great. When it's live, let me know and I'll get one. Mm, and okay. after a few weeks, uh, I, while I appreciated that answer, I didn't necessarily believe it. So after a few weeks, I started to carry a square device with me 
And when someone would say that, I'd plug it into my phone. I'd say, it's live, swipe your card. <laughs> and that's when you find out for real if, if people really like it or what are the objections. And some people would say, I, I, I don't even have a dog. <laughs> so, one, one gentleman who I'm friends with today said, I don't even have a dog. And I said, you know, people with dogs, you buy two of them. <laughs> so you did. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. So you're curating these things and it starts off as similar to, you know, Stitch Fix or BarkBox. It's curated to the specific kind of dog, which is very, I like to call it Generation C, Generation Customized, which, of course, Starbucks started when you can actually, well, was it hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, right? Burger King, <laughs> um, they customized burgers. But I'll, I'll tell you, you know, these things aren't cheap. So what was your price point where you realized this is going to work at this price point? Uh, well, we, we started at $25. And one of our fun tales from the early days and, and sort of how we feel today, we started at $25 a month and we would hear from people, uh, well, it costs too much. The price is too high. And we you know, we took that very seriously. We talked about it a lot. We thought, is the price too high, really? We're putting good stuff in here. And then we decided to respond to those people saying, it's not too high. You just don't love your dog enough for this product. Oh, snap. <laughs> uh, and, and we kind of meant it. <laughs> and, but we, we then came up with the idea of offering, I'll tell you what, it, let's work on this together. If you commit to a longer period of time, then we'll give you a lower price. Okay. And, and we still have that structure in place today. And so you can you can get a bark box today for as low as $20. Here we are 11 years later. I'm loving what you guys are now offering at the moment, a Stranger Things themed dog box. Okay, what would be in it that my dog would want that has something to do with the show Stranger Things, which I love, by the way? Well, the, the stranger things part is for you, for your excitement and, <laughs> and enthusiasm. And the toys and the treats are for your dog. And we really view this as uh, a shared activity. You know, one, one way we talk about this is it, we, we say it's a Broadway show in a box and we deliver that show every month and we've got to put on a good show. But then it's something that you do with your dog, which there aren't many things that you get to do together. And so we want you to light up and enjoy it and think what we've designed around Stranger Things or the Jurassic Bark um, collection that came out <laughs> earlier in the month or any of those are exciting because we believe your dog will see you get excited and then they'll get excited. And then you you see them and it goes round and round and, and it becomes a really fun thing. I see endless possibilities. The Yellowstone Bark Box. I mean, can you imagine a little toy cow that they can chew on? You have now actually begun partnerships with, it's almost like the Chicken Nugget Happy Meal toys. You have partnerships with everyone from Stranger Things to Jurassic Park. Talk to me about your Jurassic Park box, or is that even what it's called? It, it, or Jurassic Bark, yes. <laughs> uh, so a, a little spin on that. Um, but it's, it, it's uh, we will take inspiration from the Jurassic world and our incredible team of toy designers uh, and storytellers 
then get to work on it. So you've got, um, you know, the thing on the end of the guy's cane, the DNA with the mosquito, you've got a toy that's, it's like a ball, <laughs> but you got the mosquito in the, in the amber. I remember Thank that. You. Yes. Yeah. Um, you've got the Raptor, um, uh, as a toy. And I got to say my favorite, uh, it's for our, our super chewers, um, is a giant dinosaur egg. And I mean, it's a giant thing and it really, really, um, it's a hard shell on it. And so I don't know how any dog could, there's no way a dog could destroy it. It's huge and durable and like the coolest toy ever. So I, I love the dinosaur egg with, um, Jurassic Park. Oh, gosh. And I'm sure one day you'll be able to manufacture an egg where the Triceratops jumps out of it and the dog will be thrilled. But I, well, I mean, we have something um, we, we invented a couple of things. So we we think about the toy all the way through. OK, so w one thing we created a few years ago was a concept of a toy in a toy. So for those dogs that destroy a toy, they rip it apart. When they get inside, they find another one. Oh, that's and genius. Yeah. So our, our most popular is uh, a cactus named Consuela, and she's happy on the outside, but sad on the inside because it's complicated. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that's one thing. Also, we we put squeakers in the toys, like um, many dog toys, but ours, um, when, when you get there, it will tell the dog that they've won that the game is over and that they have won the game. Oh, so. that's so cute. And I'm just loving the idea of the Stranger Things box because, you know, there's a Demogorgon toy in there. And for fans like me of that show, I need to see my dog chewing on that. It's just the cutest thing. <laughs> yes. And there will be more uh, licensing opportunities coming up that that are pretty exciting. Well, to me, the possibilities are endless. You've got Disney, you've got all kinds of cartoons that are out there. And, and I don't know, I just think this is yeah. amazing. And in the end, this has been a journey for you. So tell me, for all the people listening, what you would say was the number one thing you learned from the first very big failure that has brought you today to running a publicly traded company? Ooh, the one thing that's that's hard, but but I do think it goes back to get the product into the customer's hands as quickly as you can, and let them tell you, let them give you that feedback as to how they feel about it. You don't have to accept all of it, but you've got to start the conversation with them as quickly as you can, and dive in and tune out all the naysayers, right? Yes. <laughs> How many Absolutely. people told you nobody's going to spend 20 bucks on their dog every month? I'm sure you heard that a lot. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, even for my own family. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, mom, for the yes. support. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what a great story. I really appreciate you sharing it with our listeners. It's so great to meet you, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Matt Meeker of Bark. And oh God, you guys, he had an idea. Do you understand this? And it you heard him say it. It grabbed him and it wouldn't let go. I know there's something like that within you. And I hope you take all of our stories here on Everyone Talks to Liz and take them, get them in your 
jaws like a dog would with a little chew toy and run with it and don't let go. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Claim and Countdown on Fox Biz. Miss you guys. Take care. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.